And we've been having a lot of guests come and explore this uh, theme of ours, exploring James. And Libby Vincent, who's been coming now for a number of years, she's a great friend of our church. Uh, she is also a, a professor at uh, Fuller, which is where I actually did uh, some of my, my work. And um, the thing about it is Libby uh, had just uh, let us know it was the first time this actually happened in, in, in 25 years, uh, at least since I've been, been doing this, where I had someone just a couple of hours before uh, they were supposed to be here let us know last night that, that she, couldn't, she couldn't make it. And um, she's okay, she's okay, but there was a couple of things that happened and it prevented her from coming. And so that uh, was uh, quite an interesting moment. So what we've, what we've had to do uh, in light of that, sort of shift the service around a little bit. So it's going to be a little bit abbreviated. Uh, I'm going to pray. Uh, after that, we'll have our time of giving and, and then a closing song. I'm just, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. No, I, I'm, going to, I'm, going to use, I'm going to use her. her <laughs> I'm, going to, I'm going to use her passage. Uh, sit with it. I mean, I don't know what's going to, you know, it may not be what, it, you know, what she was going to do, but we'll... we'll We'll have, you know, so funny because I was, I was, um, you know, I had just come back from a, a trip. I had gone with, for a few days out on a little, into the wilderness for a little bit. It was disconnected and um, had gone actually into the immigrant wilderness with a few people. And uh, so when I came back, um, you know, it was set up. She was going to speak on the weekend. And it was so funny because my youngest son, uh, Saturday morning, uh, was there and we we got up when I got up it was I don't know somewhere along the day he we started talking and he goes hey dad he's 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 full of life right he goes hey dad I go yeah he goes are you preaching today I go no no he go I go you know I he goes oh I got it I got it you went on the trip you set it up um, you're gonna have a speaker coming in good idea good job dad that's the way to do it and he he's, he goes that's the way to go right. <laughs> And I said, yeah, yeah, that is the way to do, yes. <laughs> so he goes, I see, I got it. And then so I was, you know, I was like, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to really relax. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come in. I'm going to come in around, you know, a lot later. I'll come in around 4.35. I'm just going to, you know, take it easy. And it was around uh, 3, uh, you know, 3.40, 3.45, I get this call. And um, we're having this conversation. And then it dawns on me, Whoa. And so all of a sudden, my day went from really easy, because you know what? There's a lot of planning, actually, that goes into a service. Uh, I know many of us know that. Some of us don't, don't realize it, but there's a lot of people who prepare. You, you get the text coordinated. You, you, we try to create a theme together. We get it in print. We're working with the, whoever's sharing on the weekend. We try to have a, a song that we close with as a benediction that's connected to the overarching theme. Um, the, the message itself, you know, is, is sort of connected and it's just, actually, it's not just something that just, we just do kind of casually. And so it, it was quite an adrenaline shot. I went from being um, really mellow to uh, this, this, is, this is good. This is going to be a very interesting weekend. So having said all that, let's pray. Let's pray. <laughs> uh, Lord, we want to welcome your presence among us. We thank you on this good morning that you have made. And um, we thank you, Lord, because a lot of what we're looking at is a reminder that we don't control things. We have agendas, we set our plans. Um, a lot of times we think we know how things are gonna go. And then life interrupts them. And sometimes you have tremendous lessons to teach us out of those unexpected places. And 
you know, that's okay. That's a good thing. Um, sometimes it's really a hard thing, but you are involved. And Lord, we just want to, we want to welcome you right now. You know, we want to, we want to look at this word together. Um, we want to believe that you're in this moment, that you're present among us, that you have a word for us to engage and things for us to consider. And we, we rely upon you, Lord. Um, we are asking you for your guidance and for your wisdom. Open up your words, Lord. Let them, let them speak to us about our lives. And we ask this, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen, God. Amen. So I want us, if we can, to look at the passage that was actually selected as the text in James 4, verses 1 through 10. I'm just going to read through the, this passage here. Um, James, and these are some strong words. I mean, James writes, he says, What is the source of conflict among you? He starts this fourth chapter in this way. What is the source of your disputes? Don't they come from your cravings that are at war in your own lives? I mean, it's just, you know, what he, at some level he's getting at here is that so much of our relational strife that we have and, and conflict in life is connected often to something of an inner, inner issue. And s- sometimes what is showing up relationally is actually connected to things that are going on inside of us. Well, one of my professors taught me, he said, he, he, it, it was a very uncomplex statement he made, but I never forgot it. He said, Terry, uh, what you won't let be won't let you be. And he was, it was a reminder that if, if there are things that I'm holding on inside instead of letting them go and trusting God with them, that a lot of times they will, they will begin to consume me in a wrong direction. And that's kind of what James is getting at. He's saying, you know, this type of stuff a lot of times is connected to what's going on inside. And he really pushes hard. He's talking to believers. He says, you long for something, but he's making a, a broad statement as well. He says, you long for something, you don't have it, so you commit murder. Now, it may not literally be murder literal, but we can hurt and damage and maim relationships and people um, because of just our unwillingness to be at peace with things. He says, but you can also be literal as well. You, you're jealous for something, you can't get it, so you struggle and you fight and you don't have because you don't ask. And you ask and you don't have because, he says, you're asking with, with wrong motives, evil intentions. He says, the waste is on your own cravings. He says, you and then he, wow, he hits it hard. He goes, you unfaithful people. Don't you know that, that friendship with, the, with this world, our world, makes us sometimes an enemy with God? It's powerful. And he says, or do you suppose, look at verse 5, or do you suppose that Scripture is meaningless? Doesn't God long for our faithfulness in this life he has given to us? The answer, of course, is yes, he does. He longs for our faithfulness, even as, even as he has been faithful to us. But then somebody said to me, well, you know, isn't God totally fair? And I said, you know what? God plays favorites. And this verse tells us that very clearly. Look at this. But he gives more grace. And this is what, why it says God stands against the proud. But what does he do? He favors the humble. God has favorites. He favors the humble. The proud he resists. The arrogant he resists. But the humble he will receive. That is why sometimes we can make a mess of things. And if we come softly and humbly before the Lord, there will be grace for us in our hour. But if we stand in an arrogant place in judgment of God, he will resist us. God favors the humble. There is a beauty in that. His, his way is different than our culture's way and our world's way. Our, our world favors the, 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 the powerful and the successful and the gifted. And, and, and I understand that. But what Jesus said and what God taught us 
is, and what James is actually clearly getting at is that actually the Lord, he favors the humble. And that's why sometimes brokenness is a gift. Because it, if, if something happens in our life that strips us of our, our pride and, and our reluctance to, to open up our lives to him, you know, then, then sometimes that actually, that bad thing is actually can become a gift. And there, there is beauty in the brokenness. And I always think of the cross and the brokenness of Christ brought life out of it through the resurrection. There is beauty in the brokenness because sometimes that's where the where real work of God occurs because we humble ourselves. We're more in need. This, then he goes on to say this. He says, therefore, and then he, he gets really into this. He, he says, talking about alignment, he says, therefore, submit to God. You know, align yourself with him. Resist the devil, the evil one. He will run away from you. Come near to God. The older version says, draw near to God. He'll draw near to you. Wash your hands. Clean them up. Purify your hearts. Don't be double-minded. There it is again. You know? And then he makes this statement, verse 9. Look at it. He says, you know what? Some things actually in life need to be wept over. He says, cry out in sorrow, mourn and weep. Let your laughter become mourning and your joy become sadness. There are some things that need to be grieved. And actually the unhealthy thing would be to act like it's no big deal. It is a big deal. And then he says, again, humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up. Part of humility involves confronting our self-confidence. And what James does is if you were to read, continue reading into the fourth chapter down, and you go down three more verses from 10, it, this is what he says, and we'll put this up. He then goes on to say this. Look, look here. You who say today or tomorrow we're going to go to a certain town and we're going to stay there for a year and we'll do business there and make a profit. How do, you, how do you know, he says, this is 14th verse, how do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? You know, he says, your life is like the morning fog. It's, it's here a little while, then it's gone. You know what's interesting about these two verses is that, you know, you read the first one and it's almost like that 13th verse, it's almost like he's anti, he's, it almost can sound anti-planning. And it's not. It's, it's okay, um, let me explain what, at least how I understand sometimes what, how the scripture works. And Jesus, this is true for the way Jesus taught us about things as well. A lot of times the Bible will take a principle, and there might be two sides to a principle, like a coin that has a back and a front side. And a lot of times what, what the Bible will do is it will zero in on only one side, the one part. So it'll, it'll hit the front side or the back side of a principle, and it'll hit it from a, a couple of different angles. It's not interested in balancing out everything. It's interested in driving home something. So it'll come across the edge of it, and it'll drive a principle home. That's exactly what James is doing here. I'm, again, keeping that verse up there and, that, and, and looking at it closely, what we see is that he's actually trying to say is, look, don't become arrogant. And far from, you know, it's not about don't make plans. What it is saying, however, because, you know, Jesus was a planner. He followed the Father's plan. So he wasn't anti-planning. But what he was saying was you have to live life with humility always. A lot of times we are always thinking about, is it wrong to expand? You know, some of us are, have expansion on our mind. We've had a degree of success. And what, he, what, what James is reminding us of is be very careful about getting falsely um, sustained by certain principles and things in our life or blessings in life that then in turn create a kind of um, unreality in terms of who, what, what our identity should be found in. 
And he says, because listen, our life is just passing, passing through. Now, this ties in, so it's kind of an anti, it's sort of like saying, don't presume, because we really, we really don't control things. And this perfectly blends with what Jesus taught us. I was thinking about a parable that Jesus gave. Now, um, it's not in the handout, so if you have your Bibles, you can look, look with me, or if you have your little Bible on your phone, go for it, you know, as well. But Luke 12, I'm gonna read something out of Luke 12, verse 13. And again, it connects to what James was getting at here when he talks about, be careful about just sort of like saying, here are my plans, here's what I'm gonna do. Remember that our life is a very fragile gift, and we need to live it with humility, and with an eye towards God always. So this is what Jesus said. He says, then someone called from the crowd, said, teacher, please tell my brother to divide our father's estate with me. David, somebody in the crowd, it must have been one of the brothers, was listening to Jesus. And they were, Jesus must have been talking about fairness. And you, you look at some of the things that he was getting at here, and he was talking about being righteous and just. And so a, a man in the crowd is listening to Jesus talk. Now, he's, what's been going on is their family has been having strife. Maybe his brother was even there, and an admirer, possibly an admirer of Jesus. But one of them, the oldest one, had, had, had the inheritance. And it was up to him in that culture. It, the way that it was done in that day was he had the real power to be able to decide who got what and how much. And the, the younger brother is clearly listening and saying, and he's he so intent on his issue that he actually interrupts Jesus. And he says, teacher, teacher. He says, Some, someone, someone, Lord, Lord. He gets into this and he, he starts pushing it close and close. And he says, um, can you please tell my brother that, that he needs to give, give me a portion of this inheritance? And Jesus responds to that. So he's interrupted. He says, friend, who made me? a judge over you to decide such things as that. The older version says, you know, man, who, who made me an arbitrator or a judge for you on this? Because I'm not, I'm not interested in, in trying to solve this issue of money. It's obviously got a hold of you. He says, listen, he says, beware. In fact, if anything, he says, beware, guard, against every kind of greed, life is measured, it's not measured by how much you own, my friend. The older version says, beware of covetousness because a man's life does not consist in the abundance of the things that he possesses. Then he says, let me tell you all a story. You know, Jesus would use these stories to drive home points. Again, the parables of Christ are most usually not designed to be allegories, like each thing represents something specific. They have a principle, again, think about it. it. It derives a particular point home from a particular direction. It's sort of like getting it right in there. And what happens here is Jesus says, okay. He goes, and so he catches the, the one who interrupts him. Then Jesus says, you know what? Let me say, you, I'm not interested in judging and trying to help you get your money from you. That's not, look, you know what? You, you need to be careful about allowing greed to just overwhelm you. In fact, let me tell you a story. And he says this, he says, there was this rich man and he had a fertile farm and produced fine crops and he did really well, he was blessed. He said to himself, you know, what should I do? My business is working great. Um, 
you know, I, I don't have any room for all my crops. I mean, I'm really, I'm really prospering right now. What am I going to do? And Jesus said that he said, as he, as he was sharing this, it says that he, he said, you know what? I know what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and I'll just build bigger ones. In other words, I'm going to expand. That's what I'm going to do. I mean, I, I'm, things are going great. I'm going to expand my operations. I'll push out on the edges. And, that's, and so he says, and then I'll, I'll just, I'll, I'll tear down my barns. I'll build bigger ones. And then I'll, then I'll have enough room, room to store all my weed and other goods. And then after I do that, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to just sit back. I'm going to live a good life. I'm going to say to myself, my friend, talking to himself, my friend, <laughs> you have stored for many years. You hit it. You did well. You know what? Take it easy. Enjoy the fruit of your success. Eat. Ha <laughs> ha. Drink. Yeah. And be merry. Life is good. Jesus then followed it up with, and this was like water. Thou fool. Fool. Tonight your soul will be required of you. And who will all these things that you've clutched on to and planned for and worked for, who, whose will they be? Literally, he says, but God said to him, you fool. You will die this very night. And then who will get everything you've worked for? Yes, Jesus said, yes, I tell you, that a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth. Listen but not have a rich relationship with God. A person is a fool to simply store up earthly wealth and not have a rich relationship with God. My friend, it was, what are you saying? You've got the accent on the wrong place. You're asking the wrong question. You're consumed with something. Don't do that. And then Jesus, and I never really made the real connection, but what Jesus then did, because I've often read, oh, that's a great parable, that's so good. And then I've sort of, in the Bible, a lot of times there's a division between the parable and the next teaching of Jesus, but they really weren't, they're really not disconnected. And all of a sudden it made sense to me what followed. Because then it says that Jesus, after he makes that statement, turns to his disciples and he says to them these following words. This, that is why, that is why, what we just talked, that is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. Whether you have enough food to eat or, or enough clothes to wear, now he's going to really bore into one part of this principle of trusting God. He says, for life is more than food and your body is more than clothing. Then he says, well, you look at the ravens. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns for God feeds them. And he goes, and aren't you more valuable than, than any of those birds? I call, look, look, can all, then he says this, can all your worries, can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And if worry can't accomplish a little thing like that, then what's the use of worrying over bigger things? Don't get so consumed over this stuff. Because that's exactly what was going on. He says, no, 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 no. Look at, and I imagine in my mind's eye, Jesus saying, maybe, maybe there was one right there. Look at, that, look at that lily in the field. Do you see it? Do you see how beautiful that is? How simply beautiful that is? He says, you know, Solomon, in all his glory, was not arrayed like one of these. 
It's beautiful. He says, he says, look at the lilies of the field, how they grow. They don't work. They don't make their clothing. Yet Solomon, all his glory, was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And listen, if God cares so wonderfully for the flowers that are here today and thrown away tomorrow, then he will certainly care for you. Why, why do you have so little faith? And don't be concerned about, about what you eat and drink and, and don't worry about these things. Don't, don't let these this, this dominate you. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers all over the world, he says. But your father already knows your needs. Seek, that's what, when he says this, seek the kingdom, the loving realm of God in your life above all else. And he'll give everything else that you need. It'll all slot itself in. He says, so don't be afraid. And then he says tenderly, so don't be afraid. I love this little flock. He's talking to grown men. For it gives your father great happiness to give you the kingdom. Don't, don't get focused on the wrong things. You know, one of the, Jesus said another time, do you know how hard it is for a man of great wealth to get into the kingdom of God? Do you know why Jesus said, blessed are the poor a lot? In fact, later on, he, he's going to make a radical statement. He's going, to, he's going to actually challenge some of them to consider being totally radical in their generosity. He says, why don't you sell it all and give it away? Now, that, he was making a rule. Again, he was a, hitting on an, a particular piece. And he was telling people, is, don't. Why? Because a lot of times, the things that are blessings in this life, the power, the, the, the fame, the achievement, the, listen, in, in our culture, in, in our area, the raw intelligence and the sophistication Jesus is saying can actually become a, a, a problem if they, if they keep us from being able to embrace the simplicity of what God wants to offer our lives. He goes, it's not, he goes, whatever, what, he goes, it's not that simple. Be very, care, be very careful about starting to live. And you know what he was implying? Is a lot of times when we have a lot, we can mask things. We can, we can insulate ourselves from some of life's problems, but Ultimately, not enough. That's what he was getting at. He goes, but don't ever assume that because we don't recognize our need that we don't have them. He was teaching us. Remember, what did he say? Make sure you have a rich relationship with God. He wasn't anti-wealth. He, he, he had people who followed him who were able to be a blessing to others. He wasn't anti-planning. Jesus himself was a planner. He was very strategic in the way in which he followed the Father's plan and developed his leaders. There, I believe in achievement, and I, and, I, and I know that God is a model of excellence in so many ways, but he's also reminding us to be very careful about getting just filled with anxiety over things that we don't control anyway. And that flips us all the way back to James. Remember James 4? Go back to verse 13. Look at it again in that context. Look here, you who say today or tomorrow, we're going to go to a certain town. We're going to stay there. Yes, we're going to do business. We're going to make a profit. He says, how do, you, how do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? None of us know that. Look, I've learned that lesson this weekend. <laughs> I was thinking I'm going to have a, you know, a very uh, full kind of uh, enjoyably replenishing time. And all of a sudden, it got changed. My plans went, that's life. We get interrupted. We make our plans. This is what I'm going to do. He's saying is, always do it with humility. He goes on. He goes on to say in, verse, in the next verse that follows there, he says, you know, what you ought to say is, if the Lord wants us to, we will do this or we'll do that, you know. 
Otherwise, you're just, you're just kind of boasting about your plans and all, and all such boasting is actually counterproductive. It's evil in that sense. He's, he's saying is don't be arrogant. Don't be over, over controlling. <laughs> you know, live, live with, um, and, and I just kind of, uh, I, threw, I asked them to just put these up for us. It was kind of a last minute thing. But as I was sitting with these teachings, I thought, you know what? How does the Lord want us to live? He wants us to live, number one. I just put it under this category. He wants us to live with humility. All right? So this idea of living with humility, in other words, I don't control things. I'm not that big. I'm not that good. Right? Um, Lord, teach me to, that I'm a, remind me I'm fragile. Remind me, I'm, you know what it says? Oh, and it's, I love this because, um, you know that verse again, where it says uh, in verse, oh, was it 14? What, how do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? Your life is like a morning fog. Can we put that back up, that, that 13? Your life is like a morning fog. You, can you see that right there? That's so San Francisco. <laughs> I love that. And the old, another version says it's like a, the morning mist. Remember I mentioned to you that I was away in the mountains. I went to a place in the immigrant, and there was a lake. I, just kind of put a, I asked them if they could put a picture of what we had just taken. You see that? You see that mist? That was the morning mist. And I was just pondering that. I was thinking about this, this verse in James. This week, I was thinking these thoughts. That's my life. It's passing like that morning mist. And I was reminding myself because, and I'll show, we'll just show one more picture. I, I was in this granite, this place, this granite in the immigrant. And um, this is a place that I, I was brought to 22 years ago. And I sat in this spot, and as I was writing, and reading the book of James, I thought, you know, you're right, Lord. We're here today and gone tomorrow. I was looking around me and I said, this, 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 I, I said, 22 years ago, and I've come a few times since then. I said, but now I'm sitting here and I'm looking at this. I go, nothing's changed. It's the same. The water, I mean, it, it might have a little bit of fluctuation in the amount of the water, but the stream's there, the mountain's there, the tree's there. There's change, I know, but for the most part, Unless something cataclysmic happens or the Lord returns, this, this is going to stay the same. But guess who changed? I changed. I changed a whole lot in two decades. But that has stayed the same. Live with humility. We are passing through. Nothing we build ultimately stays. That's what the Lord was telling us. That's the principle he was driving home. If you're going to put your accent on things, put your accent. It's not don't achieve. It's not don't pursue expansion. But always make sure your priority is a rich relationship with God. And, of course, he taught a lot of other things about what that would look like in terms of how we treat people, how we keep our commitments, how we love, how we grow, how we develop our character. A lot. But we are, listen, we are pilgrims passing through. We are, we are here today and gone tomorrow. That is, a, that's, that then all of a sudden strips us of our pride. I need you, God. And you know what? The other thing that James was getting at, I don't control tomorrow. So the idea he's saying is, don't be someone who's got all this stuff. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. Here's my next plan. Here's my next thing. Okay, fine. But, and then leave God out of the picture. He says, if you do that, you're foolish. Foolish because, you know what? You don't even know that you have tomorrow. Tomorrow's not promised. I mean, and, and there are things that we're going to face in life that sometimes we go, Lord, I, you know, I didn't even see it coming. It came out of nowhere. Some things hit us. We can see them. Like, it's like we can see the train way down 
the valley. We can see the, the puff in the air. I'm going back in time now, right? So the, you know, you can see, you can see, you can hear it, the rumble on the, on the rail. But there are other things that we're walking along in life, and it's like, boom, it's on us. You got two hours. What are you going to do? Well, I was thinking about it. Not just live with humility, but, but here's just, just submit this. Live with spontaneity. One of the things the Lord wants to teach us to do is to trust him. Now, I know some of us, I was, we had this discussion. I was talking to some people um, last night after service. We were, we were discussing and said, are you a person who tends to be more spontaneous or are you a, a planner controller type? I said, I think I'm more, I, I, was saying, I think I'm more of kind of a, a planner type. So I like, this is how I'm hoping this will go. I go, but maybe sometimes when I have to react spontaneously, it's a little harder to do that. But God is an artist as well as a planner. And he wants us to be able to respond in the moments. Right? Um, I, was, I was talking to my same son that had uh, been giving me the, the pep talk earlier in the morning that day. And he said last night to me, he says, you know, Dad, it's kind of like in San Francisco. He goes, when you build, he says, it's interesting. He goes, some of the, some of the structure... He says, if it's only rigid, it's not the same as when something has built-in capacity to bend and move because of the earthquakes. Because that, that actually foundational, that actually ability to sway and move is helpful. But if it's just so rigid, here's the plan, right? Here's what we're going to do, God. Here's my life. And then what happens is it, the, the, something hits us, right? It's like, right? And then just, whereas if it has that spontaneity, it could take the, the shaking, but it, it's moving around, right? It can survive. It's got flexibility. It's um, a nimble faith that can, that can adapt. And that's going to require, and here's the last piece, it's going to require us then to have, it's simple, this is simple but it's gonna invite us to live with Christ-centered courage. So that when things do happen, because we're building in the right direction, we're not afraid, we don't get anxious. I know we do, we all do. We get a diagnosis, we get a, you know, someone tells us, hey man, your job's gone in two weeks, or a month. That's sure, that's, or you know, we, can, we, we got something that hits us out of nowhere. Someone we love has a health issue. I don't know, I don't know, stuff that hits us. I, oh, we get hit all the time. And, and to be able to have a stability in our life that's Christ-centered, that, that, is, that calls out courage in us in these key moments when we either want to whine or pine, as I call it. Whine about our situation. Oh, bad, oh, bad I feel. Like Jonah under the unpredictable plant, feeling sorry for himself. Or I pine for something that I wish this way, if only, if only, if only. No. This is trust God, Jesus said. Have, develop a rich relationship with him that's strong and stable and courageous. Have a resiliency to faith, right? That's what he's talking about. It's, it's really like the Lord's inviting us to trust him. What did he say? Draw near, come close to God, and he will come close to us. Isn't that great? That's what the Lord calls us to do. How wonderful is that to build a life in him? If we have to place the emphasis, put it on our relationship with God. Start there. Let's pray together, and then we will have the offering and the closing song. All right. Lord, we thank you. We love you. What a good day. What a good morning, Lord. How good it is to be alive, to be able to have the breath of life in us, to be grateful for who you are and what you taught us. 
your ways are wonderful, Lord. Sometimes, like David, I feel like saying, your ways are too wonderful for me. I love you. I pray that you would continue to stretch us. Lord, even use the fearful places in our life, the shadow, the valley of the shadow, where we feel even death around us. Remind us that you are with us and that we do not need to be afraid. I will not be afraid, for you are with me. You are with me. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever, even past this short life. Teach us your ways. Keep our hearts soft and humble before you as we make our way through this brief, broken, and wonderful life that you've given us to live. We ask for your blessing. Bless the song that we close with. It reminds us of that nuance of being drawn closer to you and drawing closer to you how you want to come to us and how we want to come to you. Bless our time of giving. May we honor you with our first fruits as a people. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.